Well, it's Reformation Day. It's October 31st, 2022. And uh, yesterday, Sunday, uh, was a um, big celebration amongst many evangelical and uh, more Reformed and Lutheran churches. It's a day when the Reformation, this great event that occurred in 1517 with Luther's nailing his 95 Theses to the door at Wittenberg, is to be observed and celebrated and remembered with joy and great honor and great respect. Indeed, most of Protestantism uh, memorializes this day as a mighty work of God. Now, there are many things that we should pause and remember about redemptive history. Very, very important things. But I'm here to tell you today, the Reformation's not one of them. Now, I know that will shock some of you. But the Reformation of 1517 to approximately 1644 was a failed revival. Many good things came out of it at first. Luther was certainly on the right track. But the failure the um, deadly flaw, fatal flaw of the Reformation was that Luther and Calvin and Zwingli could not extract themselves from that monster called the state church. So the Reformation is an important part of European history. It was necessary, don't get me wrong, it was necessary to bring reform to the religious and political and social fabric of Europe at the time. And Luther's 95 Theses did spark that much-needed reform. But I don't believe for a moment that it's something that Christians should memorialize or idealize or brag about. The Reformation was a failed revival. And why I say that is this. Though good things came out of it, the recovery of the doctrine of justification, the recovery of the supremacy of, of Scripture uh, in the Christian's life, and the conscience of the Christian, the authority of Scripture, uh, and the priesthood of all believers, uh, many of these things just failed to actually take hold in the church itself. Ultimately, Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli took in the state church structure much like the Roman church had done. And I'm here to tell you that if you are in Christ, your heritage is not that of the Protestant church any more than it is of the Catholic church. Your heritage belongs to those who insisted in the face of the reformers' denial, insisted that the state and the church ought to be separate, that insisted that the state had no right dictating to the church how they should worship, what texts they should read on Sunday, what day they should meet on, how they should dress. And they certainly had no right to force uh, the believers, New Testament believers, at that time, to baptize their infants. And it was on that singular point 
that the uh, state church, having become Protestant in many of the nations of Europe, continued to persecute horribly, horrifically, thousands, untold tens of thousands of New Testament believers. So this may be a little awakening to you. This may be shocking to you. And if you're in a, uh, a Lutheran or an Anglican or a Re- Reformed Presbyterian church or even many evangelical independent churches, you may have heard yesterday that this, the Reformation was this wonderful thing. There are many points of history in your history as a Christian and church history that are important to acknowledge, but the Reformation is not one of them. Certainly not to idealize. Certainly not to uh, romanticize. Let me just give you an example of what I mean. Um, David H.J. Gay has written a very important book called Battle for the Church, 1517-1644. He's only one author who has written good church history. And if there's anything that Christians need to know, it's it's their own Bible. They need to know how to read their Bible well, and they need to know how to read church history well, because both of those things are necessary. One, so that you can understand who you are in Christ, of course, through the Scriptures, by the illumination of the Spirit. And two, so you can understand your history, your own story for the last 2,000 years. And here is part of that story that I want to share with you. In his book here, he estimates, he says, statistical estimates vary. But it has been said that in Geneva, a town of 16,000 inhabitants, now Geneva was in uh, Switzerland, of course, But it was the center of Reformed uh, church activities, with John Calvin himself at the head of that church. Again, that in Geneva, a town of 16,000 inhabitants, 58 persons were executed and 76 banished in three years from 1542 to 1546. Such figures make grim reading, David Gay goes on to say. Trying to be fair, I remind you of the recent claim that current research may well paint a very different picture of those years. Also, it has to be remembered, all men read the past through their own political and religious spectacles. What is more, those modern historians who have attacked Calvin for reasons of their own, in turn, have had their own critics. However, the height of regulation was reached in 1576, over a decade after Calvin's death, when the Geneva Church-State established a certain rule in order of living by which each man may be able to understand the duties of his position. Very important to understand that Calvin was a great man, but the Constantinian system he inherited, was a great evil. Gay goes on to say on page 96, it still is. It is still a great evil. And what is so tragic is that many Christians want to cling on to Constantine in our day 
and there seems to be a resurgence or a toying with political Calvinism. To try to make pagans into Christians lookalikes by enforcement of a penal system is downright folly. It is highly dangerous to try to advance the kingdom of Christ by rule and regulation and punishment is both wrong and useless. So the Reformation was certainly a major event in Western history, central to European history. It did, in fact, rediscover and point us back in the direction of very important aspects of the Christian faith that had been clouded and really eclipsed with medieval theology. But let's not be naive. Folks, as, as Christians, we need to be mature, we need to be awake, and we need to be honest about church history. And to idealize and memorialize the Reformation is not being honest about church history. Volumes like The Martyr's Mirror, uh, Leonard Verdine's volume, The Reformers and Their Stepchildren, and the book that I just read, The Battle for the Church, 1517-1644, through 1644, all are very important resources to help you better understand that the Reformers ultimately, and the Reformation itself ultimately, did not become the friend of the average New Testament Bible-believing Christian and community. History records that untold thousands of men, women, and children were hunted down, persecuted, there were mass burnings, there were beheadings, there were executions in the name of the state church. Not just the Roman Catholic state church, but the monstrous Protestant state church as well. So let's just remember that. Let's remember, let's look at the Reformation with, with sober minds and clear eyes Appreciate some of the things that God brought out of that, but recognize that the great fatal flaw of that Reformation was the failure to extract itself, to extract the church fully from the control of the state. And so when you hear people speak today against the separation of church and state, even people, uh, Christian people, and conservative political circles who want to have the uh, Congress declare the United States a Christian nation. There's nothing good that's going to come out of that, folks. History tells us that the European history tells us that that was a fallacious move. And again, the failure of the reformers was that they failed to extract the church from the control of the state. So when Zurich and Geneva and Wittenberg, and yes, even in London, the uh, Reformation came to a, 
creeping halt. Because it had to conform. The gospel had to be trimmed back. It had to be redefined, just as Zwingli did in Zurich. He first taught out of the Greek New Testament hundreds of students who that, new, that the New Testament did not support the Mass, that the New Testament did not support the papacy, that the New Testament did not support infant baptism. But when the local magisterium, the local magisterium and the, uh, the civil authorities objected and warned Zwingli, he recanted. That's right, he recanted and began to practice, once again, infant baptism. And when those whom he had taught in his New Testament classes that infant baptism could not be supported by Scripture, objected to him and called him out on his hypocrisy, he used the power of the state to persecute them, to confine them, and even execute them by drowning. So, yes, October 31st is Reformation Day. This year it falls today on Monday. And again, I know that many of you heard long and lofty sermons yesterday about the Reformation. But let's not let's not um, get too idealized, memorialized, or um, have a, 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 a mindset that somehow the Reformation compares with other the most important events in our history: the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the outpouring of the Spirit. Don't be so quick to to identify yourself as a Protestant as much as to identify yourself with Jesus Christ. This is what I'm saying to you today. Learn about your, if you're going to call yourself a Protestant, read church history and be a wide-eyed, sober-minded, clear-eyed student of history. Know what you are saying when you call yourself Protestant. Because the truth is, as, as one who is in Christ, you have a greater identity. You have a greater purpose. You have a greater mission. The death and resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost signaled to the early church that something new had begun. A new era had begun. It signaled their need to reconsider their own identity as the church as being an eschatological people, meaning that the final judgment and the final salvation, which awaits the believer, had in fact already begun. That a new age was upon us. The age of the kingdom. The new creation, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the new creation had come. With the gift of the Spirit, we were no longer in the realm of the world, but in the realm of the kingdom of the, of the Son. 
We are no longer in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. We are no longer under law, but under grace. And that grace has one singular purpose, and that is to deliver you from sin and conform you into the image of Jesus Christ, and not Luther or Calvin or Zwingli. So I hope you hear my heart. I'm encouraging you to be a wise Christian, to be a sober-minded Christian, to be aware of your own history. And don't let lofty sermons on Reformation Sunday lead you astray into some level of naivete. But you can look at things as they are and not as we would like to revision history. Amen.